0: And welcome back to a fresh episode of the Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning, co-owner over at webchoiceuk.com. And if you haven't yet, check out our weekly email where I'm sharing actionable website and marketing tips, useful podcasts, free goodies, resources, and much, much more each and every Monday. To kick off your week with a bang, why not give it a trial over at BusinessGrowth.email? Joining me today, I've got Tom Hunt. Tom's the founder over at Fame. They're, they start and grow the world's most profitable B2B podcast. Tom, welcome to the show, Squire. How are you doing? I'm very good. Thank you, Sam. How are you? Not too bad, my friend. Not too bad for a Friday afternoon. Gearing up for the weekend and looking forward to what's hopefully going to be a interesting podcast. We're going to be talking all about how our audience can start their own podcast That's actually going to make them real money, real revenue, real cash in the bank. So um, first and foremost, Tom, I thought podcast was like a really flooded market these days. Isn't it really hard to to drive revenue through them?
1: Yeah, you're totally right. I think to understand the the flooded market question, I find quite interesting because I, yeah, I would totally agree more people are starting podcasts, but the market, if that's actually not the metric, if a combination of two metrics, which is how many podcasts there are and how many people that are listening. Right. So for, for it to be flooded, that ratio of number of podcasts, the number of listeners has to change. And I'm not sure if it is because yes, more people are starting podcast but and more people are listening to podcasts. And so I would maybe disagree with the premise of the question, mm-hmm. but we can still talk about how, even if the market was flooded and you're not going to get that many listeners for your show, you can still make money from it. So we can dig into that, which may be what we're, what we're going to be talking about today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to get actionable. And so you can help everyone kind of position their podcasts. Like you say, it's not necessary to worry about those metrics, but to worry about how it's actually going to be a useful resource and get them revenue. So are we saying that podcasts are still worth doing today?
1: I think if I was a head of marketing at a B2B company and we didn't have a podcast, I would start one but It wouldn't be for the reason that most of the audience or you might be thinking now, Sam. Okay. The reason, the the number one reason for me as the marketer, for me, the head of marketer, head of marketing would be to actually learn about these people that we're trying to sell to. Now, this actually happened in 2019. I was head of marketing at a B2B SaaS company. Hmm. And, I joined and you know, when you, well, marketers may know when when you join, you have to understand who the customer personas are and then like create your strategy of how you're going to sell to these people. I saw this new type of person that I thought we should sell to. We sold sales software and this person was sales operations. I was like, these are the perfect buyers, Um, but there wasn't really focused for the company. And so no one really knew about them apart from this one sales guy called Henry. So me and Henry were like, why don't we start a podcast focused on sales operations because if I, I was just reaching out to these people, trying to get them on a call with me so I could learn about them. But obviously they ignored me. But when we said, hey, would you like to come on Sales Ops Demystified, which was the name of the show. And yep. suddenly we had our ideal customers coming into our office to get interviewed. This is before COVID. Um, and I then went on to host 150 episodes of this podcast, right? And so my like sales ops knowledge, I don't, I've never done the role, but I think it's like pretty significant. And I feel like now I could sell to a sales ops person much more effectively. I think that's like the hidden benefit of a a podcast that can make it profitable.
0: Got it. So you went from like almost a noob in the area to being an industry expert just by running a podcast.
1: Yeah, and like industry expert, but then like the the other benefit, and we can talk about this as well, is that I became like famous in the sales ops world. I go to like sales events in London, and then there'll either be someone I'd interviewed or someone in sales ops who'd like listen to the show.
0: Yep. And yeah.
1: then, so that has like power when people know you and you don't know them, you have this kind of status over them, which makes it easier to sell. Yeah. 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 That's, that's interesting. I mean, let's, let's jump into
0: it. Let's talk about some of the key, key benefits, some of the key reasons. And you've split a few there of why it is, because I'm sure when, and I've talked to a lot of kind of marketers, business owners, you name it about giving them recommendations of starting a podcast but a lot, I think a lot of common issues I hear, and you can raise some as well, Tom, is it's going to take a lot of time, it's going to take a lot of resources, um, it's going to take a lot of energy and these kind of things, but perhaps we should address those with what the pluses are, and then maybe we can talk about kind of how you how you, how you go about it in a smart way.
1: Yeah, so I, I like to break down the ROI from a podcast from the guest side and the listener side. And so we focus... well. Most people think they're going to start a podcast that are going to be Joe Rogan in like three months, because they're projecting (laughs) they're going to get the ROI from the massive audience base they're going to build on the listener side, even if their show is just about even like a tiny part of sales operations, not even that niche, right? And that's just unrealistic. But what actually happens and what happened in the sales ops example is in the short term, we're actually more likely to to derive an ROI from that guest side. So I'll jump back into the sales ops story. So we've done about 10 interviews Like things were going quite well, very like low, low level production, but I was learning about our guest persona and then they were sharing on LinkedIn. So we're getting a little bit of social engagement we also put every, this is good for you guys. We also put every episode on our blog. So we're getting a little bit of inbound SEO. Yeah. And then something magical happened and the VP of sales ops, I won't say the name of the company, but it's a B2B SaaS company. Everyone knows. Came on the show, did a great interview and then randomly got chatting with the CEO of that company, my employer. After that, and then four months later, bought all of their sales team, 183 salespeople, our sales software. And so that gave like a nine to 10x ROI on all the time and money we spent on the podcast. And so then obviously the business was like very happy with the show and they were like double down, make it more frequent. And so now that wasn't the initial intention, but what happens when you're like actually learning about? people that could be your buyers, building those relationships, the good things will happen in the future, whether that's through partnerships or through customers. Right. And so you can't pitch your guests, but you can build relationships with people that if they need your thing in the future, they may come to you or if they would be a good partner, they could be. And so that's in the short term where we look to the ROI. And this is so important because you're not going to get the ROI from the listener side, unless you are consistent for like six to 12 months Mm. so this is why it's so important to look for the roi because you get the cfo he's never going to cut the podcast budget if you have like two people in sales pipeline from it in the first three months or six months
0: gotcha gotcha and i think i made a similar mistake as well when i started this podcast is purely because i didn't have the expertise or the knowledge that i thought yeah listeners are the way to go and I need to maximize listeners, promote the heck out of the show in any any means possible, whether that's email, social media, paid ads, getting guests to promote it. When in fact, like you say, Tom, it's actually pretty difficult from my experience anyway to b- build up that listenership fast. Um, so what you're saying there is an interesting approach. So are you recommending people that are new to podcast focus on what you've just described there? So actually interview their ideal fit clients, learn about those as the starting
1: point. Oh, I've lost your audio. So use it to learn and then also to build relationships. And if you're happy just running the show for those two benefits, amazing. Mm -hmm. Because then the listener stuff can come a bit later. And at the same time, you're creating a load of content that you can use for all your other purposes. So that is what I recommend. I would actually say that a podcast is not a good way of building an audience. It's an incredible way of building a relationship with an existing audience. So if you're looking to get like more brand awareness or attention fast, then I'd probably look at other strategies, like maybe like potentially even just an email newsletter. Um, and then like LinkedIn organic posting, th- th- that combination would probably work best. And then after six months, when you've got like 3k people on the email list, when you've got up to like five, 10k followers on LinkedIn, you launch a your podcast then, um, You're actually gonna like. You should be able to spike up into the top of Apple in marketing category, for example, um, rather than starting the podcast first. Gotcha, gotcha. So before we
0: get into some actionables of some of the kind of core things people need to think about when they're setting up a show for their brand for their business, what are some of the biggest mistakes? We've talked about a couple, but what are some of the massive do not dos before you get stuck in and start
1: building one? Yeah, three. The first one is going too broad. So the, the best example of this is like the email marketing software company. They're starting a podcast and they have three options. Option one is to be to start a podcast about marketing. Option two is to start a podcast about email marketing. And option three is to start a podcast about open rates. Here, I would always recommend, depending on the budget, if we were talking to MailChimp, then maybe we would go for option one or option two if it's any company with like less than 50 employees and less than like hundred grand for the podcast for the year, I would say we'd start the email open rate podcast because in three to six months, in theory, we are going to be the number one email open rate podcast. It's going to be so much easier to grow in the early stages if you're more specific. And then once you, you've reached that, the heights of the email marketing, marketing open rates podcast, then you can set your sights on like email marketing and then ultimately marketing. So it's getting the niche right at the start. Okay. It's so important. Um, Number two is, as we've already covered, is not being strategic about guests in the early days. Right. As we said before, ROI in the short term is going to come from guests, whether it's partnerships or customers. And then number three is simply not being consistent. And if you get number one and two right, it's likely that you will stay consistent because you'll see the listeners grow because you're you're like perfectly niched it's going to be easier to find listeners so that keeps you motivated and then if you're strategic about guests if you have people partners or customers in the sales pipeline because you build relationships with them or even like someone that came on of the guest you built a great relationship with them, them, and they refer someone to you, right? So it doesn't even have to be the person that came on, but you're networking, right? You're adding value to people in your industry. Um, But if that happens in the first six months and you have one or two people come into the process, again, you're not stopping and you'll be consistent. So three is almost the result of one or two. Gotcha.
0: What is, in your opinion, what's like, is there a perfect amount of show episodes that you should put out, i.e. X per month, X per
1: week? The maximum amount at which you can maintain quality. So just like going to the gym, you're going to get stronger or faster by doing it more consistently, um, but only if those sessions are good. So if you are unable to maintain the right quality at weekly, then we we would recommend bi-weekly. And same for bi-weekly versus monthly.
0: Yep, got it. So making sure it's actually decent stuff that you're putting out rather than trying to rush out as many as you possibly can. So let's say... um, A few few of our listeners, a few of our watchers are thinking, oh, this sounds sounds okay so far, Tom. How do I I put this into place? You've told us what we shouldn't do. How can we, are there some kind of first steps before we start lining up our own niche, before we're thinking about that, our own um, industry niche around our sector, around what we're actually selling, before we start signing up guests? What are some of the first considerations
1: before you jump in and, and invite people on? Yeah, so the niche is the number one thing okay. to consider. Once you've done that, I think guests would be second. So yep. understanding who is going to be your first guest. Typically, when you don't have a show live, it's going to be the hardest of all time to book guests. So typically, I would aim to bring on people that you know already. And if you've mm-hmm. been in your in your industry for a while, I'm sure that'll be very obvious. Um, also, if you want to bring on bigger people, I would typically wait until you've launched and like leverage your connections first for the launch. So once you have positioning... Agreed. Once well, you have guests, there's a load of like small things you need to do. Like what's the name of the show? What, what's the visual design of the podcast thumbnail? What's the intro? What's the outro script? What's the structure of these episodes? And then the technology. So what software are you going to use to book in the guest? What software are you going to use to host the show? Um, where are you going to write your show notes, etc. So those are all like smaller things. If you Google like how to start a podcast, there's a lot of blog posts telling you how to do that. But I think like the absolutely crucial thing is is positioning and then your first guess and then all, all the other stuff like i think people try to make it seem like it's complex but really a podcast just an rss feed with audio files instead of uh written just so like just like a blog is right so yeah I, feel, I think it's quite simple to launch but getting the positioning right and then getting the guess right um is probably the most important two things when you say positioning tell us more about what that means exactly yeah so it's like the email open rate podcast versus the email marketing podcast so okay, what if what what your, your show yeah I'm um, fitting into. Um, yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, getting that right is super important. Got it. Got it. Okay. So focus on focus on
0: that niche, focus on that category, focus on that positioning. Start with interviewing people that you already know. So it's an easy ask. Chili Piper's automated scheduling tools are super effective for booking and scheduling demos. I could chat about them all day long, but why not listen as a new customer witnesses the magic of Chili Piper for the very first time?
1: Okay, you're just about to switch gears. I'm ready for it now. Hold on. Oh, we we got one. We got one? We got one. Oh my God. Ah, yes. All right, via ownership to... One of our A's pinged me and goes, guess what just worked? Exactly how it should have happened. This is exactly how it should have happened. I could have done it. Oh my God, you are incredible.
0: So there it is. Proof of the power of Chili Piper. Book your free demo today over at chilipiper.com slash bgs. That's C-H-I-L-I-P-I-P-E-R dot com slash bgs. chilipiper.com forward slash bgs. Charles runs a software company. He gets a decent amount of leads through his website through paid ads. But when it comes to the organic non-paid listings on Google, his competitors are stealing his visibility, traffic, and customers. All because they rank higher than him on organic search with SEO, search engine optimization. He set up a call with WebChoice. They took the time to understand his business, goals, and plans, and crafted a long-term strategy to rank higher on Google. After a few months of working with WebChoice, Charles was above the competition and enjoying more organic leads than ever and was even able to reduce his ad spend from the uptick in organic inbound leads. Want to enjoy more inbound sales leads with SEO? Book a free consultation today at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. How do you build it up, Tom, once you've perhaps got a few guests, then I guess if you're going niche and if you're thinking of this show as the go-to for something very specific, so like you were saying their email open rates to start with, once you've in- invited perhaps a few clients or close contacts, how do you ramp it up so then you can interview, let's say, target ideal clients, people that you eventually maybe want to do building uh, business with and relation- build
1: relationships with? Yeah, so what... Um... The launch of the show is like the big opportunity to get that social proof. The way we're going to get like perfect guests, whether they're famous or whether they're ideal customers or ideal partners is because you have social proof around the show. Now, if somebody's reaching out, asking you to be on a podcast, there's probably a couple of things you're looking at. You want to know who else has been on the show and you want to see, you want to try and estimate how popular the show is. Yep. So what we're going to do at launch, if we're just going to, and maximize all the effort we have in getting as many new followers and downloads in Apple Podcasts specifically as possible. Right. So we're gonna choose the category. We're gonna choose the category. So Apple category, are not actually that ideal. With our email marketing open rate podcast, we would have to be in the marketing category, which is in business in Apple Podcasts. There's nothing more niche than that. But if you were to get like one to 200 probably new followers in a 48 hour period, just after you launch your show, you would most probably get into the top 10 in the UK or in the US in the marketing category. Okay. And so one thing in the top 10, obviously that brings us more downloads because we're sat there, people doing discovery will come to our show, which is great. But the, the beauty is we then use that as social proof as we're going out. So ideally some of our early contacts are like big names as well in let's Let's say we get one, the biggest LinkedIn influencer that talks about uh, open rates on our show because we've liked a few of his posts. He likes us. He comes on. He's like yelled it. Uh, but there's three other big players that would also be ideal customers. So right. you launch, you release the episode with Jason. He's the big name. We get number seven in the US in marketing and Apple Podcasts. We then script our outreach messages to these guys, being like, "Hey, we have the second most downloaded email marketing open rate podcast. Jason has been on." And currently, we're in the top 10 in marketing podcasts in the US. Do you have a spare 45 minutes? Um, and so then, by month, by month three, we'd have had the three biggest names in the email marketing open rates. Two out of the three have shared it for us. One out of three wrote a blog post on their blog about our podcast. Well, we actually wrote it, but they posted it for us. And so we're linking back to Art, to the show from that. And yep. we're like well on the way to being the most downloaded email marketing podcast the world has ever seen.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, so it's leveraging the initial hit of traffic to the show, getting it up in the charts and Apple podcasts, and then using that as social proof, along with the guests that you've had on your outreach yeah. to then get those ideal clients on board.
1: Yeah, I was listening to a podcast recently called acquired. And that what they okay. do is they basically study tech companies and acquisitions. And they're like business nerds, and they're trying to analyze how companies do well. And something they've been saying recently is that strength builds on strength. And so all these big companies, they basically did something well once and they just leveraged that for the next thing, then leveraged that for the next thing. So that's mm-hmm. exactly how you want to view this process. You want to do one thing well, which is we got Jason on the show. To do the launch well, we get to number seven in marketing. We, we leverage that to get the next two big, big name guests in email marketing open rates. And then we just leverage that to become the number one most downloaded email marketing podcast. So it, it really is that like just going step by step and then leveraging the result or the social proof from the previous step in order to get to the next one. Got it. So, Tom, what are some of the best
0: ways to actually market podcast in your opinion?
1: Yeah. So let's go back to the story. So we've we've now released our episodes with the two with the two people, there are other big names. We have Jason's episode as well. But there's one other email marketing open rate podcast, which we know has got like three times as many downloads per month of us. So the question is, how do we get to number one, right? I, like most podcast promotion strategies, you can Google like how to promote a podcast and you'll find them all of like, get the video snippets, post the video snippets, um, make sure you're tagged correctly in Apple Podcasts. And so I don't think we need to go through that. But I okay. think... So instead, we're going to go through three things that I don't really talk about much because these these are like the secret sauce, but I'm going to share them here. The first one is, I think, the biggest opportunity for attention in general in the B2B world right now is LinkedIn organic posting. And so what we say, what what I would recommend for the host of this show is to and there's a new thing that influence profiles can do on LinkedIn is put the, I feel you have a Sam is put the URL to something just below your description on your profile. So we're putting the podcast there with a bit of social proof. So we're saying number one, number two, most downloaded email marketing open rates podcast. That's probably a bit long for the text they added, but you get my point. And okay. then we're going to be writing probably one, well as many as we can to maintain quality. Um, posts that are just focused on email marketing, open rates, they don't have any links, they can have images or videos embedded, but no links in the post, or even there's no CTA, it's just to add value on LinkedIn. And we're just doing that without even really talking about the podcast. And then that's just going to, we'll get more engagement on this post, we'll get more profile views, and that will drive traffic back to our show. So that's the first thing that we're going to do. Um, a little bit complex, so you obviously have to have like controversial or interesting opinions about the, the market, but we're, we're an expert in this field, so it's fine. So that's the first one. The second one we're going to do is, I don't know if you remember, but like five to seven years ago, you could pay an Instagram influencer like $50 to get them to post your econ product for like to their 100,000 followers because they didn't know their value, right? Right. This is happening right now, but in the world of podcasting. So okay. if you were to Google best email marketing podcasts, there'll be like 30, within the top four pages on Google, there'll be like, maybe 30, maybe a bit less than that, 20 blog posts, a blogger's just trying to pick up like this, this traffic for their blog. Um, and they don't know how valuable that is for us as podcasters. So what we're going to do is we're going to build the list, of, extract the list of 20 blog posts that, that are getting some traffic for that. And then we're going to do deals to get our show included. So those deals could in- include maybe getting that blogger onto our show as a guest. It could include doing a link exchange between their blog and our blog. It could exchange us just paying them. And so, if we do this, and we get seven out of the top twenty, including us, yeah, then about well, ideally more than that, then we're just going to be ca- capturing that inbound traffic over time.
0: Nice. And
1: what well, what you'll find is that you're going to get that for very cheap, F- for now. I mean, in a year, maybe not. But so that's not that's a few... interesting. Okay, it's a good one, right? Um, yeah, I've not heard that. So one we before. do this, yeah, 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 exactly. This is like the... because this is what. Um, this is not the stuff you're going to get in the blog post. Number three, and I, we already kind of mentioned it already, is obviously guest sharing is like a big a big thing. Now, for the question is, and, and any like podcast expert is going to tell you that, but the question is, how do you maximize the amount of times the guest shares and also maximize the number of places in which they share? And so what we're going to do when one of these email marketing open rate experts is booking into our calendar link for the show, we put a question there saying, if we were to write up uh, incredibly insightful uh, blog post summary of the episode, a standalone blog post that talks about what you said in the episode, would you be happy to post it on your blog? Yes or no? We'll find that maybe 60, 70% of the, the people will say yes. And so as well as creating the content we do from the episode, we're also going to create this five to hundred word blog post that like really captures the essence of the episode, but also makes the guest look good we then send that to the guest, the guest posts that on their blog. We get the backlink because we we're going to link back to the show. We're probably also going to link back to our domain. So we're going to get the backlink. And I know you like that, Sam, because you're in the SEO game. Love then, the SEO tips, yeah. <laughs> and then what also happens is typically when a company puts a new blog post live, it gets like put into their social posting schedule, right? Maybe even automatically. So that almost guarantees the share. And also we'll get the share from their business that you might not get because the, ideally they, they're going to share personally anyway. So those are the three that are like on top of the standard podcast promo stuff that you read in any blog, blog post site like that are working. I think the hottest promo strategy is working right now
0: nice so uh let me let me say something tom i like I like those tips I mean especially like the second one is that's a bit more unusual um in terms of actually looking doing that Google search on the top x podcast top category name podcast and then approaching those people that have written those blogs and trying to get your show on there. it's um, like so that's a nice way to capture that traffic for people that are actively searching for podcasts in your your market so I like that um you did something a bit unusual when you reached out to us to come on the show because we get a ton of guest requests since the show's grown as I'm sure you, you do and many other shows do and most of them I ignore because they're just like mm, thousand words send me to sleep um whereas you actually did something a bit different you I think you said at the end of your request it was quite short and snappy but you said we'd spend like 50 or a hundred dollars actively promoting the show which I think is the first guest that's ever done that. And I was like, well, that's good, because most of the time I have to nag guests to actually help promote the show, whereas you're you're actively saying we'll help you promote it. So that, that in itself, after checking out your LinkedIn, I thought, yeah, let's get him on. Um, we haven't done a podcast specialised show in a while. So let's talk a bit about that, Tom. Are there any ways using paid rather than organic that you've seen shows
1: get some good growth through? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Being a guest on other shows in your niche, and then at the end of the, the podcast saying, "Yeah, I also have a podcast," is a is a solid way to promote, promote your own show in its own right. Um, I guess that is also a paid strategy if you offer the paid spend as you go on other people's show. If you're right, um, but yeah, for paid now, we split it into two categories: like paid social, and then paid on other podcasts. I don't really have much expertise of buying ads on other podcasts yet. Maybe we'll have that more in the future. Um, sure. But in terms of paid. Um, Paid social, I'll just go through a couple of strategies. Now, the first one, and this applies to any platform in which you can target just iOS users. What you can do, and this is just for the CTA, we'll talk about targeting and Creative later, but you can create a deep link into Apple Podcasts. And so if you're targeting any iOS users, then only iOS people are gonna be able to click this, so it's fine. And what happens when people click this link is, it will, whether you're on desktop or mobile, open Apple Podcasts, and then it will pop up a little subscribe button, and it's just a one-click subscribe. And so that, if you're running any page on a platform in which you can target just iOS, I always recommend that, because you get the subscription, they now call it a follow on Apple Podcasts, before anything else. Oh, so nice. Little, so it literally opens it, and they,
0: they have to click the subscribe button.
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay. So that's like a little, a little hack. Now, let's talk about, Creatives and strategies. The most effective paid podcast spend I've ever seen is actually really simple. It was just, it's one of our clients, but they do it. They do this in-house, so I can't claim, I can't take credit <laughs> for it. Um, is they, all they've done, well, actually, it almost goes back to the podcast strategy part. Their show, it isn't really B2B. It, they basically, each episode targets a health condition. And so diabetes, for example. And so then they can, is, they can use quite, they have quite good paid targeting. There's Facebook and Instagram, by the way, um, for those because they, you just target the people in the right geography, in the right age with the, or that have an interest of that condition. So quite, if almost a bit of a gift. But all they do is that they'll have a doctor as the guest and they'll have just a quote image um, with the doctor's face, doctor's name and an interesting quote from the episode. And then it's literally just follow us on Apple Podcasts. Um, but the quote is obviously relevant to them and their um, condition. Uh, and they use that link that we just spoke about. And, Got it. and uh, they're, they're running like pretty high spend on that. And it, it is absolutely crushing. Um, just like a super so targeted,
0: super focused um, image with a caption. And then that links through to the to the show. Yeah, exactly.
1: So that's, uh, I think they will a, a bit lucky because they it's very easy targeting for that. Um, yeah. One we did recently, yeah. a different one we did recently is. Actually, in the crypto space, we have a mm-hmm. show and some of the guests are like the founders of rele- relatively like well-known projects. And so mm-hmm. for every episode anyway, we're pulling out the best clips for organic posting. So what we'll do, we'll, we'll post, let's say, five to 10 organic clips over a space of two weeks after the episode goes live. We pick the one to three that get the most engagement organically. And then we take them. And then this is actually on Twitter because that's the place for crypto um is we'll run that Twitter ad to people who are because we can't actually run it to people's followers, but we can run it to people that are like either connected to or like interested in, or no, sorry, similar to the followers of the people of that person and that project. So if it's a founder of let's say Aave, which is a crypto project, we'll run that ad to people that are similar to the followers of they, and also similar to the followers of that guest. Um, If we could run it to the followers of those, it would be ideal, but we can't so of don't let you do that anymore. Um, And so it's just putting, again, like an interesting, controversial insightful piece of content in front of them and then having a clear CTA to go and subscribe. Nice. Have you done much in the way of
0: LinkedIn ads? I see some B2B tech companies are doing quite a bit on repurposing podcasts, putting out kind of video snippets and then getting that in front of their ICP, their ideal client profile. Through LinkedIn ads have you done much of that or is that
1: yeah I haven't really done that but I know that Chris Walker of refine Labs technique there is because they pull similar to that the, the Twitter technique we just shared they pull yeah, yeah, yeah. a shitload or maybe a cancer um of really video snippet videos find the ones that they're best performing and then just run those to like the top hundred thousand accounts um yeah so yeah I think that would work especially he's a really good talker so.
0: But it yeah, it helps. Helps, helps if you've got something good to say, as always, with, me- with many podcasts, which, which I occasionally do. Now, that's great. Um, we had a question come in. We don't often quite take questions, but we had a question in, as we're streaming LinkedIn Live. Um, someone was asking how you can actually measure the podcast, how you can measure audience info, i.e. how many listeners you're getting, the demographics, those kind of things. Any recommended tools for that, Tom?
1: Yeah, there's probably three metrics I would recommend tracking. So I'll go through them and the tools you use. First, if we, if ultimately the goal here on the listener side is to add value to as many people that could be buyers as possible, the best metric to see this is a consumption metric, which really is downloads. And when we say downloads, we mean streams, plays, listens, like and downloads like from all directories. So your podcast host will likely collate all the information from all these platforms, some even do YouTube, and then you'll just have that the download number in your so we we track that obviously, and we like to see that go up ten percent every month. That that that's healthy. Um, we see that's without pay spend. It could be a bit faster with pay spend. So that's the number one metric, like how much you like, like how many people and how many uh, and how much how many episodes of our show are they consuming it's downloads. Second is followers. We only track this over for the three largest directories: Apple, Spotify, and Google. Your podcast host won't bring that in, so you have to go and have your, like, access the listing of your show on those places and then just track followers. Again, we want to see that going up about 5% a month without any paid spend. So we just add those numbers up and track that. The third is, an Apple is the only platform that gives you this, is episode consumption. So they say, during a time period, what's the average amount of each episode has, that's been listened to? And so what we do each month is we take the, We add up all of those and then take the average. So we have the average amount of all episodes that have been listened to in that month. And what we want to see then is that just slowly increasing over time as we are making the episodes slightly better, like like slightly better hosting, slightly better guests, and slightly better editing. And so if we see that going up over time, then probably the download and follower metrics will, will come as more people are retaining and more people are listening to more of the episodes. So those are the three that we recommend.
0: Got it. And is there a tool that you should use? I know you said um, for followers, you need to go into the individual platform like Apple and Spotify for things like checking your downloads, consumption. Is that something you can do in your general podcast uploader or is there specific tools and software that you should try
1: out? Yeah, so any podcast hosting software will show you downloads. So yeah. um, and there's a lot of them out there.
0: Cool, cool.
1: Right, we've, we've covered a
0: lot. A lot of this has been around kind of promoting the show, getting the audience there we t- talked quite a lot at the start about getting ideal clients onto the show for go- going niche into the category that you're really honed in on and then perhaps expanding it from there and building relationships with those guests but what are the best ways to make sure that these relationships are actually turning into profitable revenue for our business
1: yeah the, the it's be interesting here right because the more you like try to control that, almost the least effective you're going to be. We've been experimenting with different ways to like try to make that happen over the years. And we've kind of come to the conclusion that we kind of just want to make, just make sure the guests have the best possible experience. And then maybe at some point in the future, when like weeks or months after, if there's like a relevant reason to reach out about, some problem that you can solve for them, then you can do that. That's absolutely fine. It could be you or someone from your sales team. But we just want to make sure that the guest leaves the whole experience just being like those guys are professional, interesting, and competent. Because then if we somehow are able to understand how we can help them solve a problem and we reach out, then they're more likely to say yes. But at the same time, they're going to be more likely to recommend us to their friends or when the company ultimately needs that problem solved, they might come to us yeah um so it's not like pitching too hard it's more just focusing on ensuring they have an amazing time got it
0: got it and that makes sense right so I, I can say firsthand we've had guests on this show where we've perhaps had a chat before we've had a chat after we then connect on linkedin or we were connected on linkedin anyway and then they might see kind of the post that i put out and then a little while later let's say a few months down the line they might reach out and say hey, Sam, we're actually looking at getting a website done or we're looking at having some SEO. I'm sure you've had many of the same experiences, Tom, with yourself and and clients is that once you make that first connection and as long as you kind of make the effort to be, do a really good podcast, make it insightful, ask them kind of great questions, have some back and forth, kind of, them that good experience after like we said about sharing the episode and making it easy for them to promote and you promoting them quite a lot that comes comes back which i get is kind of what you're trying to say here
1: yeah i mean if we take it back a little bit if you try to understand like how you form bond how people form bonds together like the strongest bonds form through the most like roller coaster ish of emotions so if you think about your your best friends like it's probably people that you maybe have known for a number of years. You went like traveling together or you got married to, et cetera. And you've been through these like ups and downs. And so if you think about what you do when you run through the process of interviewing someone on a podcast, is there are these like mini like emotional journeys, like, First of excitement when they book in, they're like really excited. Then maybe half an hour before they're, they're like a little bit nervous and they come on, they're a little bit nervous, but then they start having fun. And then at the end, they're really happy. And then you tell them how amazing they are and they're like super happy. And so this is how you form the bonds is by going through this like up, up and down, I find anyway. And so yeah. all you're really doing when you're running the show is you're forming bonds with people that could be buyers. And ideally, if you if you do it right, those bonds could turn into cash.
0: Yeah 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 build build those bonds build those premium bonds um so should should anyone that's starting a podcast that actually specifically wants to do it for their business to to drive revenue long term um i guess i've got two parts to this question as it formulates in my mind um one is typically how long does it see does it long does it take in your experience tom from show start to actually I guess there's, it's going to be hard to answer, but to actually getting a, a your first client from your experience on the basis that you're following this structure and you're inviting idle clients to the show, and then secondly, should you focus your show? Should the main metric of your show be focusing on booking kind of people that you want to b- build a relationship with over any everything else?
1: I think in the short yeah. term, you just want to track how many people have come on the show. That mm-hmm. could be potential customers or partners, what percentage of guests could be that you bring on. Um, and depending on how how like how much you need that short-term ROI, then that will be close to 100%. In terms of time, let's just say you're running a six-month, you run a show for six months, it's a bi-weekly show, so you have 12 guests, say 80% of them could be customers or partners. That leaves you with 10 people that you've shown an amazing experience with, you've formed the bond with. From those 10, assuming you have a product that actually solved the problem that they have, then I would ideally want to see like you move into a partnership or sales conversation with one of them. That's probably like a reasonable thing to expect, I would say. Over what space of time was that? It's a six-month period for a biweekly show. I think I got the math right. Got it. So six times two, yeah.
0: Yeah, 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 makes sense. And then were you saying some of those... prospects you might have had on the show if you think that there is a good fit you might reach out to them a few months after the show and just say look we discussed this i think your your company could perhaps benefit is it worth the conversation that kind of thing
1: yeah exactly
0: nice all right i think the only other thing i wanted to to ask tom i think the only thing we haven't covered on podcasts is just a quick one on sponsorships what are your thoughts because i know a lot of someone actually put in the um the question section what should be the process in, in getting a sponsorship with a show? Is that something you should even consider when you're doing what we've discussed or should that be a
1: a later thought? Yeah, I think, I think it is valuable because you can then take those funds and reinvest back into production or into promotion. Um, I typically don't recommend like going out to find sponsorship. It's just like another thing to do. If you get someone inbound and you can close them on a deal that's like exclusive and quite nice, um, then I would recommend that. Um, but in the like in the early days, I'd rather focus the time. Instead of running a sales process to get someone's ship I'd probably focus the time on making the podcast better and making sure you're getting the guests right. Yep. But if someone comes inbound and they you have like 200 downloads a month and they're offering you $1,000 a month, or you can close them on a $1,000 a month because it's going to be exclusive. You're going to tag them in all the LinkedIn posts, et cetera. Um, then, I pro, then I do take that. I recommend taking that. And I've also done that on my show with a company called hrs we'll talk about much in a minute um because just for that reason like the, the, if they they pay like 400 dollars a month we i don't have that many downloads and i just take that money and i spend it on ads for the show
0: nice yeah 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 all makes sense man with well, that that said thanks very much for coming on the show tom really enjoyed chatting all things podcasts and how to drive revenue with your show so please do tell us more about how everyone listening or tuning in can learn more about your company and the best way to connect with you and get in touch
1: yeah, sure. So search for Tomlin on LinkedIn. And you can, I mean, if you have any questions about podcasting, then please ask them there. Um, FAME.so is, we run podcasts for B2B companies. So that's where you can go to find that. And then, of course, I would be in remiss if I didn't say this, Confessions of a B2B Marketer is my podcast where I just have conversations about this kind of stuff with with other people.
0: Nice one, man. we will put all of those links over on the show notes at businessgrowth.marketing. And with that, Tom, thanks once again for coming on, sir. Thank you for having me, Sam. Cheers, man. And as always, if you enjoyed today's show, a quick rating on your podcast channel really goes a long way for us. Or so if you're on YouTube, a quick subscribe. And with that, we should catch you on the next episode for more actionable, no BS marketing tips to grow your business and revenue. Cheers for tuning in.